Louise McSharry on 2FM. About 1% of the population feels little or no sexual desire or attraction towards either gender. Aces, as they are increasingly known, still crave human touch and companionship. They simply have a different bedroom narrative. But does the general population know much about asexuality? Oscar is asexual and is active in his community and is on the line now to chat with us about it. So, Oscar, uh, do you think the general population knows much about asexuality? No, not really. I don't think it's even on their radar. I think that if you ask them what asexuality was, they'd probably start talking about plants. <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, so for yeah. people who, who don't know anything about asexuality, um, can you give a little explanation? Sure. So um, the simple definition for asexuality is just the lack of sexual attraction. Um, it isn't like a comment on behavior so much as what you uh, experience or rather in this case don't experience. Mm. So everybody has a sexual orientation. You know, you can be straight, gay, bisexual and asexual. And like everyone has a, a, a sexual orientation, but also they have a romantic orientation. Mm. So, so if you, for example, say romantic instead of sexual, you could be like bi-romantic, heteroromantic, homoromantic, aromantic. Aromantic means you don't experience romantic attraction either. Mm. And this is kind of like a choose-to scenario. Everyone has a, a sexual orientation and a romantic orientation. Okay. And they don't actually always line up. Like, quite a lot of bisexual people might feel, uh, you know, invalidated because they might be bisexual, but, like, only homoromantic or heteroromantic. And that doesn't actually mean they're not bisexual, you know? And in the same way, like, this can go for anyone, really. Okay, that's so interesting. So, yeah, that makes total sense to me. So you could be bisexual and be sexually attractive, attracted, excuse me, to... Um... <laughs> you can be bisexual and sexually attractive. <laughs> you can, absolutely. <laughs> it's possible. But you could be bisexual and sexually attracted to, you know, two or more genders um, or and simultaneously only want to have a romantic relationship with, say, men or women. Okay, yeah. I get it. So, um, So do you think then that the assumption is that people think of asexuality if they do think of asexuality they think of it and then they assume that people are also aromantic yeah quite a lot of the time it does actually depend because like for some people they imagine that all asexuals are aromantic yeah and you know that's because you tend to roll sexual and romantic orientation into one Mm -hmm. and other people uh will be like oh well you know, obviously you still want a relationship, like how are you going to manage that kind of thing? Right. It, it depends on what kind of assumptions people make from that. Okay. Um, and why do you think people have such a struggle in understanding or considering or maybe, you know, accepting asexuality? Is it because, like, their own sexuality is so intense um, that they just simply can't imagine a world without it? I think so. Um, I kind of think of it in the same way that you know, you might try to explain what it's like to be colorblind, mm. you know? Like, you already know what all of the colors are, but it's kind of like teaching you to not see one of the colors, mm. you know? So, like, you can understand, but you have to think about it first. Yeah. And do you find that you have to kind of, you spend a lot of time explaining it, or do you simply just not discuss it? Uh, most of the time I don't talk about it. It's too much effort. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm not, I'm happy to talk about it if people ask. Yeah. But like it's not something that uh I need I want to have to put in effort into unless like I think it's gonna be worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And are you what is your romantic stance? Sorry. I'm biromantic. You're biromantic. Okay, cool. I love that. So what are some of the misconceptions that people have about asexual people? So like quite a lot of people might assume it's like 
related to trauma. Some people might think it's like hormone deficiencies. Mm. Uh, lots of people assume you haven't met the right person, you're a late bloomer. They also tend to confuse celibacy like with asexuality, uh, whereas like celibacy is a choice, asexuality is an orientation. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't like, it's not necessarily a reflection on, you know, a, lots of asexual people are not celibate. Like okay. the vast majority of asexual people in relationships are probably with someone who is sexual. It's just a numbers game. It's kind of like how bisexual people are most often in a relationship with somebody who is a different gender than to them just because there's more straight people, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, lots of people, you know, think, oh, it's just a phase. You know, you want to feel special. It's hardly cool and edgy. So I don't know why they'd say that. But, <laughs> you know, what I would say to that is like things like trauma and hormone deficiencies, they're not related to asexuality. You get those with about the same frequency as you would get in the general population. Uh, lots of people might be late bloomers, but again, that's not an orientation. That's an experience like delayed puberty, you know, yeah. which is kind of weird to say to someone in their 30s, you know. Yeah. When when do people tend to, I mean, this might be a stupid question because I'm asking you to generalize and maybe it's not possible to generalize, but when do people tend to kind of come to the realization that they are asexual? That one, I don't really have any kind of metric for it because a lot of that is going to be uh, related to, um, it's going to be generational. Yeah. So younger people who have more access to information and there is a general, more general awareness of LGBT identities, they're, they're going to know more about it from a, a baseline, whereas people in older generations are not going to. Most people, like lots of people, don't know that they're asexual. Yeah. You know, they, they go quite a long time without knowing because they assume maybe they're just bad at sex. Maybe they just, like, don't really realize that other people don't feel the way that they do. Yeah. Like, quite a lot of people think, oh, you're just making a big deal of nothing. Like, why is this important to people? I don't get it. Mm. And it's not until people are like, uh, you know, it, it tends to take a while for people to understand that other people experience the world differently. Yeah. Um, you know, other people might think, oh, well, obviously there's something wrong with me, but not actually know that there's not something wrong with you. But yeah. then there is actually a word to describe their experiences. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. And it's one of the reasons that I asked the question, because I think that, you know, we grow up obviously socialized into um, believing that sexuality looks like, well, when when I was growing up, it was sexuality really looked like one thing. Um, and now, you know, we've accepted that sexuality can look different. Um, but, you know, the the fact that people can be asexual isn't something that is in the narrative, you know, generally as much as other sexualities. So I can I can understand that it would be maybe more difficult to get to a point of realization. But then you're so right. I suppose the internet it has been really a wonder for people figuring out all kinds of things about themselves, hasn't it? I mean, most people are like when we do talk about sexual orientation, we don't tend to think of the lack of it because we only say, well, clearly this isn't possible you know it's like well, why not yeah <laughs> why not <laughs> why is it so hard to imagine yeah yeah and i suppose it's really you know we're all trying to find the box that we fit into and really maybe the boxes just are the problem <laughs> is that i don't know i think that it's more that people uh don't they they don't see all the shades of gray they want needs boxes to tick right. rather than actually recommending sorry recommending rather than understanding that the world is a lot more complex than they want to believe. Yeah. You know, like there are labels on tins for a reason. 
yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all need words to describe our experiences because without that, people who are asexual go their whole lives without knowing that there are other people like them. Yeah. Like, having those words is really important. Yeah. What is not so fun is when other people put you in a box yeah. because they don't want to actually listen to what you have to say. They want things to be easy and they decide for you what they're going to see you as. Yeah, that makes total sense. So how kind of important do you think it is to have a community? Um, I know you're involved in the asexual community in Ireland. Um, how valuable is that? Like, for me, it was really, really important. Like, when I uh, first started to get to know, like, about asexuality, there was no community. Um, I was on AVEN, which is Asexuality Visibility Education Network. It is the largest uh, forum for people who are asexual. Uh, and Aero, that they romantic, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but it also is open for friends, family, supporters, partners. You know, mm. it's open to everyone to like gain a better understanding of themselves and build community like that. Mm. I would honestly recommend it. It's a fantastic resource. Mm. Um, but there was nothing there. Like there had been one meetup in Dublin like a few years ago, and like three people arrived, mm. and I was like, well. If you want to see that happen, you've got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so I started building that community. And it was really validating to just meet somebody else like me. We didn't even have to, like, it, we did talk about it. But as the time went on, like, it was just nice to have somebody who you didn't have to explain yourself to. Yeah. You know, there was no expectations that you had to follow. You know, the rules weren't, you know, uh, unwritten, but expected, you know. Yeah. So let's say I'm an I'm married uh, and I'm in a sexual relationship with my partner and but I've never really you know would it happen that I've never really enjoyed sex and I might come to a realization that I'm asexual or is that something that wouldn't happen No that does happen It does happen like and, quite you see it quite a lot on Avon where you might have partners or you might have the people themselves being like I this has been my life so far and I don't think it's fitting you know something's not quite right and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I suppose that's what I'm asking. So then that's got to be a really difficult situation for people to navigate. Yes, definitely. Um, I think that a lot of this can, it it can be difficult because there's a lot of uh, tension built up by broken expectations or like the feeling of failure. Mm -hmm. And it can get, uh, it can build resentment, Mm. you know. And that's one, honestly one of the bigger things that can happen within those kind of relationships. Mm. The biggest thing, like the most important thing for people who are in mixed relationships is to really, really communicate about what your boundaries are, what you do want, what you don't want. And that involves a lot of uh, self-analysis into what you actually consider to be uh, sexual or not. Mm. Like when we talk about intimacy, people generally just immediately jump to sex. But Mm. when you actually start to examine lots of different intimate behaviors, whether they're physical or emotional, uh, lots of things aren't sexual in and of themselves. They can be for some people, but they're not necessarily sexual. And that can look like, you know, that can be just as intimate, Mm. you know. And, you know, some people might prefer, you know, like cuddling, you know, than than sex. Like, you know, quite a lot of people feel fine, like, cuddles after sex to be almost more intimate than the sex itself Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and like if you kind of take that kind of feeling and imagine that like that's what that person is getting just from cuddling Mm. can help you sort of understand that like intimacy doesn't have to be sexual but we have kind of grown up uh with a culture that assigns sexuality to all kind of physical touch and intimacy Mm. which 
kind of like coded in our minds mm. that all physical touch and all physical intimacy is sexual or at least is on, on the path to it. Mm. And that's where like talking about like what you do and don't want to do, what you get out of something, what means something to you and generally how you feel about like physical touch, your boundaries. Like this is all really important for a healthy relationship anyway. Mm. But, you know, a, a relationship built on assumptions and expectations rather than open communication isn't going to work. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think it's, you know, that's why I think it's important to have these conversations because it's really about all of us opening our minds and, you know, for ourselves and for other people um, to, to understanding the spectrum, I suppose, of sexuality. Yeah, um, so if people are listening and maybe identifying or they might want to get in contact with you and your community, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, we have a Facebook page called Irish Asexuality. We also have a Twitter page. Like we have uh, meetup groups uh, that are private. So, you know, if you message us, then we can like add you to the group. Yeah. Uh, and people won't be able to see that you're in the group. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, really important for people just getting to grips to with it. Yeah. So if you give us a message on Irish Asexuality, like we'll happily point you in the right direction. Super. Well, thank you for answering my questions. I really appreciate you taking the time today, Oscar. No worries. Louise McSherry on 2FM.